You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, we have another amazing sponsor to lead off the show today, and it is Postmates. Postmates brings you what you want when you want it. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and we have a deal for you with them right now. You're going to download the app, you're going to use the promo code locked on and you'll get a hundred dollars off your first seven days so you get a hundred dollars off deliveries you can go wild uh it's 3 a.m and you want fast food well that's probably not gonna work but let's say it's uh 1 a.m and you want some taco bell they'll bring it to you if it's midnight and you have a massive headache they'll bring it to you if it's 9 30 a.m and you don't want to pick up your groceries they'll bring them to you postmates do it for yourself. So, today's show, we are going to talk about Lake County. We're going to continue doing what we've done and kind of just write down and talk about the top prospects at each level. Remember, if I've already mentioned someone, I might talk about their performance, but they aren't eligible to be the top player at that individual level. They uh, eliminates a few prospects who played this year at A-Ball. It uh, also might eliminate a few guys who spent more of their year in high A than in A. So if you were a player and you performed really well, but you were split between levels, um, I'm probably going to talk about your performance more in high A than low A. So like uh, Tyler Freeman. Uh, Will Benson might be the counterexample to this just because he did such an amazing job in low A and was so exposed when he moved up to triple A. Triple A. (laughs) He moved up to high A. So let's get started. Lake County was one of the most interesting teams at the start of the year, but uh, they had a lot of promotions, and that quickly sapped them of talent. Uh, Will Benson went on a tear. You had um, Ty Freeman, the number two prospect in the organization, by my point of view. You had a lot of interesting pitchers. Uh, Cody Morris comes to mind. Um, i trying to think who else is up here at the start of the year who moved quickly through the system. Morris was the big name, but I know there was more than him that stood out to me just in terms of their performance this year and the numbers that they had produced. But on the whole, it's a, it was a team that saw a lot of guys who have the potential to help the Indians within the next five years. Offensively, where do we start? Um, well, we can talk about the guys who got a cup of coffee up there who we're not going to go too in-depth on, like Brian Levestida and George Valera, who will both likely begin the year there next year. Uh, Reynald Delgado, another guy we talked about from Mahoning Valley, he got uh, he got 17 games there, which is a pretty good performance for him. Ulysses Cantu, former relatively high pick, is kind of nearing the end. Marco Gonzalez didn't get uh, a long opportunity, but he's extremely young, was a high-money guy. Henry Pujols was a big-money guy with a lot of power, but he struggled pretty much every level across the system this year. Jonathan Engelman, I mentioned often, really athletic, really toolsy guy, a bit old for the level, um, didn't perform quite up to what you'd hoped, probably profiles as a fourth outfielder at best going forward. Jesse Baird, uh, Baradi is a Boston, no, St. John's player, I want to say, and both him and Karen Chalk were late round picks that were both players that were projected to go earlier, considered top 200 talents that went in like rounds eight and nine, uh, he started the year Barati very slow, but he, as the year went on, played better and better, performed better. Um, 
kind of put himself back on the prospect radar. He's not exactly a huge prospect, but I was almost considering him a non-prospect to start the year. You mentioned Ty Freeman. Um, Ruben Cartagenas is part of, they traded him in the uh, Christian Arroyo Hunter Wood deal. Uh, Quinton Holmes ended up with the most games played. The former second round pick, which is basically their first selection. I mean, no, basically, he was their first selection in the 2017 draft. Uh, it was ugly. Uh, I don't know what you do with him. He's, uh, you know, he's a 19 year old outfielder. He was always tools over production, but 36% walk rate for a guy with very little power, 175 average, 241 on base percentage, 274 slugging. After a year like that, he has to prove to me. Like, I probably have him go back a level. I don't, because <laughs> he's in low A. I haven't started next year in Arizona. I mean, you have to do something. He didn't even play that well in Arizona when he was first down there. It's it's not looking good for Quentin Holmes. Now I skipped two names. These are probably the names that stand out most from the offensive perspective. Jose Fermin took a while to uh, to move through the system, as shown by the fact that he's going to be Rule 5 eligible at the end of this year. But he was a relatively big money guy who's been a consistent performer in the lower minors. Um, seems to get better every year is a middle infielder, and because of all that, I think he's very likely to be added to the 40-man. Bo Naylor uh, was put down there early, which is kind of impressive when you think about the fact that Lenny Torres and Ethan Hankins were both also first-round picks, and they were a level below him to start the year, or even further. Naylor was thrown in the fire, and he struggled. Start of the year was not good. Um, but you saw the progress. You saw him grow as a player. And, you know, it's just interesting to look at the box score. 11 home runs, 10 triples, 18 doubles. I mean, he just, he filled it up. And if you're like, oh, maybe they just had a lot of triples in that park, next highest guy on that team with triples is six. And that belongs to Cartagenas, who they traded um, partway through the year. Quinton Holmes, known for his blazing, blazing speed, had four. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of tools with Naylor. There's a lot of ability. There's a chance for an above-average catcher. He's one of the top prospects in the system and really, in terms of overall performance, was the second-best prospect that had an extended stay with the uh, with the Lake County captains. Number one is, of course, Ty Freeman. I've talked about him before. You know, the OPS wasn't high. The on-base was good, but not great. But he just continued to get better at every step, and he's been young for the level and he just he hits will benson was a guy who was basically left for dead and then in 62 games he hit 18 home runs he was striking out a ton still but he was walking which was a nice thing you saw the near 15 percent walk rate with the 31 percent strikeout rate major signs of life we'll go into him tomorrow but all the signs of life we saw in this one um quickly were gone once he got his promotion They'll probably keep Quentin Holmes here. You'll see Levestida as the starting catcher. You'll see George Valera in center field. Engelman, I think, probably starts there again. Just in terms of, you know, some name prospects. Raynel Delgado will definitely start there. And I believe so will Marco Gonzalez. Um, they have a chance offensively to still be an interesting team heading into next season. Our sponsor for the postseason is Vivid Seats. And they have a deal specifically. If you go and buy tickets there and use that code postseason... They will know that uh, you're supporting the MLB side of things. That is our specific code because Vivid Seats likes Locked On so much that uh, they're sponsoring multiple uh, channels on the network, and we like them so much because it's a really cool idea. It's taking that ticket marketplace and, and instituting a loyalty program. So the more you spend, the more you buy, the more often you go back, 
the better the deals you'll get, the more credit you will get. It's it's a system that exists everywhere else, but we have not seen it and in this level, and that's what Vivid Seats will do to you. It's not just sports. If you're an Indians fan and you want to go see a show, check Vivid Seats. See what tickets are in town. Uh, see what the best uh, deal you can find on there. And right now, when you download the app and you use that promo code postseason, you can save up to $100 on your tickets. So we are giving you a code. If you're going to go see a concert anyways, go use our code. You're going to save some money. Remember, that is Vivid Seats, uh, promo code postseason. Save yourself some money. Anything you are going to see in the next few months, go buy those tickets now. And, of course, our oldest and dearest sponsor is BlueChew.com. The little blue male enhancement pill that you chew so it hits your bloodstream quicker. They're always, you know, everything's how can you be better, faster, all of that stuff. That's how Blue Chew was uh, sat down and how they decided to work on it. How can we make this work for you faster? And this plain and simply made it a chewable. It's going to have all the same active ingredients, all the same effects, but it allows you to do what you want to do quicker. Blue Chew's been with us since the beginning of the year, and we thank them for that. If you want to show your appreciation for the podcast, you can thank them by going over to the website and trying it for free. You have to pay the 5 bucks for shipping, but you go over to BlueChew.com, use that promo code MLB, and you get to try a free sample of their product. See what all the hype's about. See why it is that uh, they have the funds to have sponsored us all year. Uh, if you're nervous about it, they have... Uh, doctors that consult with you making sure that uh, you're okay it's, it's a bit of a rigorous process but they're not just there to uh to help you in the bedroom they're there to make sure that you're safe which is something that every mlb player should be doing after the scandal this year with uh male enhancement and suspensions that is not going to happen if you go to bluechew.com use the promo code mlb they will help you with male enhancement and they will make sure that you are healthy blue chew mlb Okay, so the pitching staff was interesting. We had, um, should we just start with the big names? I guess we should start with the big names, right? Shane McCarthy started out pitching pretty well, um, but then had some injuries and inconsistencies. We'll see what happens with him. Kellen Roloff talked about the lefty. 1.62 ERA, uh, 12.6 strikeouts per nine. The issue is five and a half walks per nine. He's already 23. He's old for the level. He's He's got to start next year in double A. You just got to see what he can do. I mean, as a loogie, the ceiling is high, but baseball's trying to get rid of the loogie at the same time. They're trying to make it so, you know, if you come in, you have to face more than one batter, which could eliminate someone like Roll from having a, a future. But his loogie ceiling is some of the best in the system. He could be the best lefty. He could be the last, best reliever in the system in terms of getting left-handers out. Just going down the list, Cody Morris, uh, underrated pitcher, really, really good in A, continued to excel in high A, a big arm, big kid. He was a seventh-round pick, so the Indians valued him, gave him a big chunk of money, and he performed well for them. Matthew Turner we talked about, both in Mahoning Valley and in Arizona in his past. The lefty moved up, had nine starts at the level. He's not missing enough bats. But what's nice with him is he doesn't walk anyone. He doesn't give up the long ball. He doesn't get hit a lot. Um, you just want to see him miss bats. If he could miss some bats, if the Indians could work on him, find a little bit more in his fastball, you could have very easily another starter right there in the left-handed Turner. 
Raymond Burgos had some good starts down there uh, before his move to high A as well. And Ethan Hankins, again, continued his stellar strikeout performance, also had some control issues. I've talked about Cam Hill a few times. He was coming back from injury, and he had some stellar performances down there as well. It's It was an interesting pitching staff on the whole. I mean, and arguably the biggest name this year was uh, Brady Aiken came in and pitched uh, two innings over two games, uh, struggled with his performance. And basically those two innings are all these pitched the last two years. Uh, he went out the drive line, he's trying to fix things up, but uh, right now it does not look good for uh, Brady Aiken and the Indians. And after all of this, I still look through and I'm like, I didn't mention Luis Oviedo, who after his performance last year in Mahoning Valley was a top 10 prospect in most places. Strikeouts are down, walks were up this year. Um, I was kind of surprised because Mahoning Valley... Yes, there's a lot of uh, teenagers there, but also a lot of college players. Um, it's The jump from Mahoning Valley to high A is often not... It's one of the smaller jumps, so his struggles were a bit of a surprise in terms of what just what I expected. But the overall depth of prospects that went through this system, uh, went through this specific stop in the system, were quite high over the course of the year and definitely made it a fun team to check out. So who are the top 10 prospects? Well, you know, we can eliminate a few names we've talked about already. Guys like Hankins, Lavastida, Valera, um, Ty Freeman's going to be out of it. So we just have to go through and figure out where the guys that I'm looking at have played the most and who is what level they qualify for. So, you know, I think we know pretty easily who's number one. The question is from there, how does the rest of this list play out? Well, it's a bit of a hard one, to be honest, because a lot of guys, like, you look up Tyler Freeman, he played more games in Lynchburg. You look up even someone like Aaron Pinto, who's an interesting reliever with really high-level performance across two levels this year, more games in Lynchburg. Um, there are a few other guys like that that stood out where I just kind of looked at the numbers, and you have the guys who, uh, you know, were at the last level who don't qualify, though I was, I messed up. Uh, Matthew Turner shouldn't have been on the last list, and because this was a list that was a little bit harder to full, full to fill, I pulled him in, so he's going to appear twice. But uh, should we go in reverse order, leading up to the inevitable number one? Ten, Kellen Roll, the left-handed reliever. Missed a ton of bats. That sidearm uh, view is always going to be hard on lefties. There's a chance there for a death on lefties reliever. After him comes Kyle Marman, and he was a 13th-round pick in 2018 out of Florida Atlantic. Actually born in Ohio, lived in Florida most of his life. Uh... They draft him in 2018. I mean, 13th round is relatively early. Those first five picks in the third on day three are all of value. The Indians are getting guys they like in those picks. So there is value to him as a pitcher. This year, coming out of the pen, he was a you know a starter in school, but coming out of the pen this year for Lake County, appeared in 24 games, 46 innings, over 11 strikeouts per nine, a hit rate under seven, home run rate at almost a half, and the walk rate is a little over four, which is not great, but it's not terrible. All in all, he was really productive. Um, he was old for the level, but uh, hey, production. With as many guys as moved in and out, it's it, you're just looking for someone who was a steady performer all year. And we'll go with uh, Marmon, the pitcher, see what he can continue to do as he moves up in the system. Number eight, Will Benson. Uh, physical tools are plus. I mean, the tools are plus. As a person, by all accounts, he's a plus human being, a hard worker. Um, 
It's just the performance repeating a level and excelling. Never a good sign. It's good that he excelled, but repeating a level. There's not a lot of guys who spend a lot of time repeating levels in the minors and turn into successful major leaguers. They're just not. That is a very um, uncommon occurrence. And then when Benson, it wasn't like he was just okay or eh. He was terrible upon reaching Lynchburg. Physical tools, though, great human being, there's always the chance. Like He has the tool set if he's going to be one of the rare cases that they beat um, this much struggles in the minors, it'd be a Benson who's going to work his tail off and just has outstanding tools. At number seven is Shane McCarthy, the uh, right-handed pitcher I've talked about who had some injury issues, so he didn't get to pitch a ton. He was a draftee last year from Seton Hall. Um, kind of a funny story. Uh, he was draft, I believe he's a four-year starter there, right? Yes. So, after his 2017 season as a junior, he was draft eligible, and he was taken in the 18th round, 544th overall, didn't sign, goes back, taken by the Indians in the 18th round, 553rd overall, so he goes nine spots later. Um, maybe a potential reliever there. I, he, he was able to miss some bats. Before his arm injury, there was starting to be some talk, because it was a strikeout rate over 10, a walk rate under 3, guys weren't picking his stuff up. He was old for the level. It's always a concern. But there was enough talk to at least make you go, huh. So, and the Indians liked him enough that they wanted him to get those reps, so he also got sent out to the Arizona Fall League this year so he could get a little bit more experience, build up that arm strength a bit more. Uh, coming in sex, Luis Oviedo. We talked about him. I had him like ninth or 10th in the system entering the year. Um, performance this year was just disappointing, while a lot of other players stepped up as well. It's not just on him, but... Uh, there's nothing a year ago you're like high strikeouts low walks every category you wanted to see him filling up he was excelling at this year he was just kind of eh. this is where it gets a little bit more interesting i guess in the grand scheme marco gonzalez was a pretty big name big money signing back in the day for the uh for the indians he uh he's still just 19 years of age i believe he turns 20 this month uh the shortstop has played a few positions, but he only appeared in, let's see, what was it? He only appeared in, oh, that can't be true, was it really only 11 games this year? Um, yeah, just 11 games, 34 at-bats for the Indians. Uh, you know, they liked him enough to give him a $250,000 signing bonus. In 2018 and 2019, he was a top 30 prospect, according to Pipeline. A shortstop. He's young, he just hasn't had a chance. We'll see how it goes, but... Uh, that's enough um, to get him on this list. Fourth, Matthew Turner. Uh, talked about him extensively at this point. Lefty does everything to miss bats. If he can miss bats, maybe he's a starter. But there's also a good chance for a reliever in there, and the Indians have struggled to produce left-hand relievers. Raymond Burgos is someone that if you listen to the podcast, you know I was high on all year. Uh, injuries kind of set him back. That's been kind of the story of his life so far. Rail thin, misses bats, though. Um... He'll turn 21 in November, and you just wish he had pitched more. You know, he was drafted in 2016, didn't pitch in 2016 or 2017. 2018, he came out and looked pretty good, and he was looking pretty good this year, but he ended up just pitching in uh, about 20 games total, and half of those games were down in Arizona, and, you know, he's not facing great competition. But, you know, solid numbers across the board. A six foot five, hundred and eighty pound kid. There's so much ceiling and growth potential in him. Um, 
I'm still extremely high on Burgos. And that leaves the top two. The top two are pretty straightforward. Jose Fermin at two, the shortstop second baseman, kind of do it all, who, you know, the Indians are going to have to protect, or they will likely lose in the the 40-man because he can play a few spots on the infield. He is successful. I mean, they like he was a $500,000 sign uh, by them in 2015, and he held his own this year. You know, it's didn't kept his strikeouts down, walked more than he struck out, hit for some extra base power, um, you know, played second base shortstop, even a little third. So he, he's there. Maybe not like the super high ceiling, probably like a you average starter to utility player, but still um, a good prospect. And then Bo Naylor. Uh, talked about him already. Really came around, really turned a corner. Catching in this system is not great, but um, Lake County at the end of the year had probably the two best catching prospects in the system between La Vestila and Naylor. There's still some talk if he will stick at catcher long term. Uh, the Indians will let him out there until he fails or until he proves that he cannot uh, call a decent game and frame a pitch. That is when they start to uh, to move guys to other positions. But he'll likely start next year in Lynchburg, top five prospect in the system. Um, yeah, there's you know, the, his brother is a top prospect. He he fit all the the things the Indians like between you know cold weather, bloodlines, and up the middle talent. He will get his opportunity next year as he continues to move through the system and, and should be, again, considered one of the top five prospects down there. That is our summing up of Lake County, a team that had a lot of players stop through, but not a lot of guys stay. So that kind of limited the top prospect uh, stuff. I want to thank everyone for listening and reading and reviewing. Tomorrow's show, we'll be moving on to Lynchburg. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Tribe.